Hey there, welcome to Ofric. I'm Lyra. And I'm Allie. And today we're going to continue our saga of Doug and Carol. Doug this Clark saga? and Carol Bundy. Yes. Like the Twilight Saga? Not as entertaining. I feel like it would be more entertaining. Twilight or this? This. Yeah, there's Twilight's a lot. Twilight's not entertaining. <laughs> there's a lot of points where you go, oh my god. Or do you mean, oh frick? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you remember from last time, we left off that in late April 1980... Doug came home covered in blood one evening. He had blood on his jacket, in his teeth, all over his hands. And Carol was helping him clean up himself, the knife, and just, you know, basic Overall. covering up. You know, I'm pretty sure that this is, this is a result of him not flossing enough. <laughs> he has gingivitis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was bleeding. He had blood on his teeth. I never find out why he has blood specifically on his teeth. Uh, maybe it splashed in his mouth. Was maybe. it on his face? It might have been on his teeth. It's specified on his teeth. Maybe he's just a freak like that. Maybe he just doesn't floss. That literally it could, could be, be it. He's yeah. a gross man, so I wouldn't put it past him. Crusty, crusty man. But, so according to Doug... Oh, no. Hold on. My Google. Okay. Okay. So according to Doug, he had been in the Buick with a girl when her boyfriend attacked him. And Carol just accepted that and was like, okay, cool. And he had told her boys, because I guess her boys had gotten up that night. And Doug had told the boys that he was in a motorcycle accident. And that, that was the end of that. Okay. So he didn't really explain what happened. Um, Carol did find spots of blood in the Buick. But again, I don't think she questioned it really. Because she's like, oh, he gave me an explanation. Good enough, I guess. So a week later, Doug had come home again covered in blood and said he killed the boyfriend who attacked him. And at the time, I don't think Carol questioned what happened. Mm-hmm. But what actually happened was on April 27th, 1980, at approximately 10 p.m., 22-year-old Charlene A. I did look, try to look for her last name, but I couldn't find it. Um, so Charlene was waiting in a supermarket parking lot near LeBray Avenue. She saw a man in a blue station wagon pull in, thinking it was possibly a client for sex. She approached the car, but saw him masturbating and began to walk away. Um, he stopped her, however, and made an agreement with her for $40 in exchange for oral sex. Um, this man drove Charlene to DeLong Prey Park. He said his name was Don or Ron, had blonde hair, blue eyes, and a mustache. Charlene lowered her head to get started, um, but the man held a knife to the back of her neck. He began to stab her repeatedly and when she began to struggle against him because it's like, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't be like, why the hell are, are you, you stabbing holding me? Holding a yeah. knife to yeah. me. Um, she was able to get a hold of the blade, severing the tendons in her hand. And Oof. she and she told her attacker he was hurting her. And he simply replied, I know. Wait, pause. Yes. Can we agree that getting like stabbed in a hand or like getting a gunshot in a hand it just sounds super painful? 
like other places and like your body and stuff like okay yeah it's it's gonna hurt you're getting stabbed you're getting shot shot at whatever but like hands specifically like the thought of like having something like pierced i've literally almost cut off my thumb (laughs) i just realized this it just i just had an epiphany and remembered this well it's like imagining someone like she grabbed the blade yeah. to try to stop him. Yeah. So like, like even there are even people who like pain. like put up their hands and like the knife goes through like the hand. Yeah. That itself just like freaks me the hell out. It's kind of like getting stabbed in the eye or mm-hmm. something for me. So I just want to say that. The hand also does have like a butt ton of nerves, which makes it one of the most painful places to mm-hmm. uh, get tattooed. My yeah. fear. I fear here. <laughs> We're Anyways. reaching to, the, to her fears, you guys. <laughs> now you know. So after he told her that he knew he was hurting her, he began to choke her. Charlene, however, was able to push her feet as hard as she could and threw herself out of the car. Um, her, her attacker threw her jacket and shoes at her and drove off. And Charlene would later identify Doug as her attacker. So that's what actually happened in one of these instances. Okay. Can I assume that this is what was... So can I assume that the first attack when he came home with like all that blood like in his teeth and stuff, that was probably Charlene? Or was this after the first two instances? I think this was the first instance. Okay. The second one, he attacked another woman. Mm-hmm. But I can get details on that. Because... He he killed her. He's a goddamn liar, too. And he doesn't floss. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to keep bringing that up. But okay. So first instance was Charlene. And then the second one, there was blood because he had murdered somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, anytime he's going to come home with blood on him, he attacks somebody. Okay. Um, but... Doug used one of these instances to convince Carol to buy a gun together. Isn't that what every happy couple does? Well, it's it's for protection. It's for their protection. (laughs) (laughs) No boyfriend's ever going to attack him again. Oh, that's, that's, no, that's probably not going to actually happen. But yeah, yeah. But so they bought the gun, registered it under Carol's name. They actually bought two guns. Um, so now Doug came up with this logic that now that they had guns, it was time to commit a robbery. What? So this man bought guns for protection and now he's telling Carol. So now we should use the guns to commit a crime? Yes. Okay. And he said he had committed this crime before. So this, you know, Carol started being more attracted to Doug because she's like, Oh my God, he's such a heroic man with these two guns. He's gonna, <laughs> such he's gonna rob image. for me. You know, we're gonna get money. This is such a weird image, but okay, go yeah. go off, Carol. I got well, don't go off. You know, so weird just, people. So three weeks later, um, on May sixteenth, she picked up their two twenty-five caliber Raven automatics. One is like a chrome finish i forgot what the other i have it later when Mm -hmm. they go through the evidence what the two finishes on the guns are because that becomes significant okay so we got the super silvery yes shiny looking one Mm -hmm. at least we know that one 
lock that in our brains. But so they're two twenty-five caliber Raven automatics and three boxes of ammunition. They went to Balboa Park in Encino and Doug test fired the gun. Carol stood 25 feet away and commented that the gun sounded like popping balloons. Okay. I don't think I'd describe a gun like that, but yeah. I don't know. It is like a pop, but it's not like a popping balloon. Yeah, it definitely doesn't sound like that. So sadly, during this time as well, Chris, her eldest son, had noticed what was going on with his mother and asked for Doug to leave the house. She slapped him and would regularly beat him, as her father had done to her, and she said she was being merciful to him, though, because if Doug beat him, it would be much worse. Yeah, I have, yeah, the, same, yeah. I have the same look on my face. Um, I'm not a parent, but I, I think that that might be bad parenting. Well, just wait. There's more. Oh, great. Because <laughs> Doug one night had described how he could easily kill Chris by sticking a knife in his back to stab his heart in front of Chris. Um, Carol did nothing but listen to what Doug was saying. And she, she had clearly chosen Doug over her own children at this point. Um, and so Chris began to suffer from headaches and was very emotional during this time, which, you know, as you like should. a kid yeah. suffering from abuse. And Doug would verbally abuse him and call him the F word. I don't want to say that word because I don't like that word. But it's the F word to describe a gay man. As a residential, that word, I can say it. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I will not, actually. I don't know. I don't like that word. I don't like so. to use it either. Um, and David, the younger brother, recalls Doug beating his older brother for, you know, having emotions. Mm-hmm. I want Chris to fuck him up. (laughs) I wish he was big enough to. How old is he? I don't know exactly. I think it's like early teens. Oh, okay. So I'm assuming like 15 at the oldest then. I would say a little bit younger. Maybe like preteen. I mean, that's the oldest. (laughs) It's like probably 11 to 15. Yeah. He's still at an age where he's not really like has muscle on him or anything like that. He's still baby. So even though Carol chose what? You surprised me. That's it. Okay. (laughs) So even though um, Carol had chosen Doug over her own children Mm -hmm. and was like favoring him over her own two boys in late May, in late May, Doug had found a new girlfriend and eventually moved all his stuff into her apartment. Um, He blamed Carol's moodiness and possessive nature. But however, he he didn't fully explain to Carol, like, oh, I'm moving out. He just moved his stuff. And Carol was, was unaware that around this time, so even though they bought guns together, he was trying to replace Carol because he didn't fully like like her. I mean, I think we all kind of knew. <laughs> yeah. Except for Carol, apparently. Or she's, you know, Egyptian. She's in denial. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But the other girlfriends would not be into Doug's fantasies like Carol was. Because mm-hmm. he would have some dark fantasies. I mean, yeah, I think the regular person isn't into basically everything he's done. Kind of mm-hmm. have to be out of your goddamn mind. Sorry. Yeah, some fantasies are too dark, even for edgy people. 
So on May 31st, Carol had bought herself a new car. It was a 1976 Datsun 710, but still kept the Buick for Doug. Doug had taken the car for a test drive um, that evening, and in the morning, Carol saw that the gear shift was fractured, and there was indents on the passenger side door, which it's like, she she literally can't have nice things. I know. That's her car that she bought, right? Both of them are her cars. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then in the beginning of June, Carol petitioned for full custody to be transferred to Grant Bundy, her ex-husband, um, and Chris and David's father, which was granted. So June 9th, Grant took the boys and sent them to live with their grandparents. So the boys are no longer in the picture. I kind of feel like that's a good outcome, though, considering where mm-hmm. everything goes and the fact that, I mean, Chris specifically was being abused. <laughs> like. Yes. To hell, so like that's great. I love that. I love that she was such a bad parent that she, in a weird way, recognized it and gave her, her, her sons, her son, her her children, (laughs) her children, uh, to her grand, uh, to her parents, or yeah. Well, now that the boys are gone, Doug came to live with Carol permanently because things didn't work out with his new girl. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Um, and Carol looked for a new apartment for them to be closer to Doug's work. So. It's kind of weird. Why? She just kind of want to be in the man's. picture more or something? What? She want to be in the picture more or something? Be able to just like whip out the binoculars and watch him at work? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's probably to just cater to him. Oh, that's true. Because she could say, oh, even though I have to drive an hour to work, he only has to drive 15 minutes. Sounds like That's just an example. Yeah. That sounds awful, driving an hour to work. I used to do that. I know. (laughs) I never could imagine why. Multiple times. It's because of my bright, sunshiny personality, wasn't it? Yes. Thank you. I was like, I come every day for her. (laughs) My manager. (laughs) Do it for her. (laughs) Lead her. So on June 11th, 1980, Jan- Janet and Andy Narano were looking for their daughters, Cindy and Gina. The girls were known to run away from home since they had moved to Huntington Beach. And for J- Janet, sorry, Jeanette, the other Jack's wife, Jeanette, mm-hmm. and this is like... No, I, I got you. <laughs> okay. So for Janet and Andy, it was their second marriage and made them a family of eight, three girls and three boys, similar to the Brady Bunch. So Cynthia Cindy Chandler was 15 and Gina Narano was 16. They had both been good students at their previous schools, but currently were struggling at their new school. They preferred to hang out with their friends, which is like their teenagers. Who does? Of course. Yeah. I used to do school. Yeah. Um, the parents were devout Christians, so they would try the strict parental authority method of raising kids. I don't know what that means. I was a loose cannon. I'm sorry. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, just strict parents. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the girls rebelled further, though, and started skipping school and running away from home for days. So the evening of June 11th, Janet and Andy gave up their search, hoping they would find them the next day. Mm -hmm. 
So this same evening, Carol came home to a note from Doug that he had taken the car and would talk to her later. Carol took her car to the cur- to the current girlfriend's house and searched the Buick. She found a duffel bag with bloody clothing, a blanket, and paper towels. So Carol washed the clothes, which was a green tube top and a little maroon striped dress, and threw away the blanket and paper towels. So she finds bloody clothes. Mm-hmm. And instead of reporting it to the police, she handles it for him. I mean, on top of that, I mean, maybe just thinking on, like, Carol's level, she finds girl women's clothing or girls clothing really Mm -hmm. and she has nothing to say about that like you girl you you know you know your husband's husband no 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 your man's your man's (laughs) your man's is cheating on you Mm -hmm. like why would you be okay with that i don't know she's kind of a weirdo i don't get it she's very weird um So she did inquire about it and Doug had told her what happened a few days later after ghosting her for several days. Very mature of him. Mm -hmm. So according to Doug, he had seen Cindy and Gina while cruising down Sunset Strip. He tried to get Cindy to enter the car, but she refused unless Gina could come with her, which she did. So he drove them to a deserted parking lot and forced Cindy to give him oral and told Gina to look away. He grabbed his gun, which was hidden between the seats, and shot Gina behind her left ear. Cindy started to sit up when Doug shot her in the head. Uh, did that make did that make sense? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah, she was like, you know, she was down, the and then he made the sister look away so shot that he could her. shoot her. And Jeanette. Then- Cindy. Cindy. Cindy was Cindy, Cindy, because of what yeah, happened. Exactly. And, and then her. he, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, and I hate to kind of think about this, I'm assuming her mouth was away from him, so he wasn't afraid of, like, hurting himself. Yeah. God, I wish he had blown like his dick off, at least. Up, uh-huh. I said, I hope, I, I wish that he would have at least blown his own dick off. I mean... One could it would have, have solved a lot of problems. It would but, have. And, I mean, it's still tragic what happened to these girls. It is very sad. Um, they did not die, so Doug shot them. Or they didn't die immediately, I should say. Mm-hmm. So Doug shot them again. Um, Gina in the head and Cindy in the heart. Poor babies. He drove to a garage he rented in Burbank around 4 p.m., parking across the street. He covered the girls in a blanket and dragged them inside. They bled on the floor and he just walked through their blood, just walking around his garage. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina post-mortem had lifted her arm because you know how it goes to rigor mortis? Yeah, and it'll and stiffen sometimes, up. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have that little death death jerk. I can't remember what it's called, but you know, where you just twitch a little bit. Mm-hmm. She did that and probably like her arm got stuck like that. Yeah, and so he was prepared to shoot her again, but then he checked and she was dead soon after. Mm. Um, he laid the girls on an old mattress and cut up the legs of Cindy's jumpsuit. He posed their bodies in different positions and even pushed their faces into each other's private areas. Um, after this, he violated Cindy orally and vaginally and Gina had been sodomized. And this is all like, this is all just so sad. I hate uh, yeah. reading about it. No, it's terrible. 
Um, and around 8 p.m. this day, he went to Carol's apartment to leave her that note. So this all happened on June 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think Carol had thought about Doug confiding this information to her? I don't think she thought much of it. I think she just put her trust in, um, God, I can't remember his name, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, she certainly didn't put her trust in the Lord. No. Oh. In well, Jesus? No. God, no. <laughs> no, I think she just like fully trusted him and just let him do whatever the hell he wanted to, right? Well, Carol. Carol. Reasoned that Doug chose to confide in her and not his other girlfriend. And she thought he had chosen her to be his partner in crime. Ah, good old Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. No. No. She's beginning to build. So you'll see that she's beginning to build this romanticized, like, oh, my God, we're like partners in crime. He can only, like, share this kind of stuff with me. Yeah, and he tells me all his dirty little secrets. Yeah, I'm so special. Even though he has another girl. Yeah. Yeah, she's off off the hinges. I mean, same, but, like, in a bad at least don't give myself to a crusty man. So at 10.30 p.m., he borrowed a camera and returned to the garage, and he wrapped the girls' bodies up in a blanket, loaded them into a car, and dumped their bodies down an embankment on the forest lawn off-ramp of westbound Ventura Freeway, which is near Disneyland Studios. I know where that is. (laughs) (laughs) So it was around 1.30 p.m. on June 12, 1980, that Cynthia was found with her jumpsuit wrapped around her legs. The inseam was cut to her genital area, and there was blood and grease on the jumpsuit. Gina was clothed in her tube top, which was pulled down to her waist. So June 14, 1980, a Saturday night, Carol called the Van Nuys Police Department. She spoke with Officer Heinlein of the Homicide Office. Using the alias Betsy, she claimed she believed her lover was responsible for the murder of the two girls. She had described the clothing she washed and the gunshot wounds, but both Heinlein and Westbrook believed she was prank calling them. Of course they would. She also said Doug had said he might have to kill her for knowing this information. The detective said the clothing did not match the description and would not confirm the gunshot wounds. The call suddenly dropped and they believed she hung up and she did not reveal Doug's actual name. She just kept referring to him as her boyfriend. So on Sunday, Doug and Barry invited Carol for a drive. He drove them to Foothill Boulevard near a ravine. He told Carol he dumped the body of a blonde prostitute after shooting her. On the night, he took the Datsun for a test drive. So remember, the gear shift was broken the next morning? Yeah. The girl had seen the gun and kicked the gear shift, and he stripped the girl naked, kept her underwear for himself, and gave it to an 11-year-old girl in the neighborhood which this 11 year old will come back because it is awful what they do to this 11 year old oh no don't say that it's very sad Mm. um the body of this woman was later found on june 30th 1980 and identified as 17 year old marnette calmer a runaway from sacramento she was working as a prostitute on the sunset strip She had been dead for approximately 30 days, 
and she suffered from three gunshot wounds to the chest, both from the Raven or a Raven 25 caliber pistol. Saver Calmer, Marnette's sister, last saw her on May 21st, 1980. Um, on Friday, June 20th, 1980, Carol and Doug committed their first joint murder. So on Highland Avenue in Hollywood, at a Hughes Market, they saw a blonde woman wearing cowboy boots, a maroon dress, and a bolero jacket with red hearts. Um, Doug would pester her, in my opinion. That's what I wrote, because... From what I read, he was, like, calling out to her and just, like, I guess heckling her until he, you know what guys, some guys do, where they're just, like, trying to get a woman's attention and yeah. won't leave her alone. Yeah. I mean, from what you said about her outfit, I'd probably do the same thing, but you know, like, how girls do it? They just try it's to get different. your attention in a more friendly way. I'd probably do it that way, because, like, her outfit sounds cute. It does sound like a very cute outfit. Yeah. But anyways, he's being, du- he's being a dog. Yeah, and being he's gross. trying to get services from her he's gross yeah Uh, so he pestered her until she agreed to get into the car with them her name was kathy and she looked about 17 years old um carol was in the back seat holding the 25 caliber raven in her purse and she introduced herself as barbara prior to this carol had set up a code phrase for her to say when she was going to kill kathy the phrase was, boy, am I having a blast. That's so cheesy. Yes. Okay. This was to be done if Doug didn't get the oral he wanted. So, yeah. um, Kathy and Doug agreed to $30 for oral. Um, Kathy wasn't able to get Doug hard, though. And Doug looked at Carol, signaling for her to give him the gun so he could kill her. Carol had handed the gun to him facing the wrong direction, which he got annoyed with. But this tipped off Kathy that something was wrong and went to sit up. But Doug shot her in the head and Kathy didn't die. So Carol, during all this, while he was shooting her, was watching calmly from the backseat as the events unfolded before going into the front seat and laying Kathy's head in her lap while she was bleeding out. Um, Carol attempted to clean up the bud with paper towels and strip Kathy, which she struggled to do, which Doug would later verbally abuse her about how she's incompetent. Um, And Doug drove them to an area near Magic Mountain down a dirt road that was near a stream. They followed this gravel road for a mile before dumping Kathy's body. And then they dragged, so they stopped the car, dragged her body out, mm-hmm. and then they dragged her 20 feet and left her lying in some bushes, not checking to see if she was dead. Was she? She does eventually die, yeah, from her wounds. Mm-hmm. But they came home at 5 a.m. that Saturday. Um, later in the day, Doug, Carol, and Doug's girlfriend's son went to a car, not, car wash in Van Nuys to wash out the Buick because there was blood in it. Um, Doug explained to the son that he had run over a cat and took it to the vet because he's so merciful. And that same night, he told his girlfriend the same story while they were at the drive-ins and she complained of the smell. Um, The girlfriend, however, had become angry, learning that Doug took her son out with Carol. 
And Doug decided to end the relationship with his girlfriend. I mean, she deserved better. She did. You don't need to date a Doug. I mean, he did her a favor. <laughs> Honestly, he did her a favor. So on June 23rd, 1980, Doug saw three prostitutes. One was blonde in a pink dress, one was a black woman, and one was a plump blonde woman. Mm-hmm. None of them wanted to leave with him, though, <laughs> so he drove off. <laughs> However, he returned later and saw the blonde was by herself, and she agreed to go with him. Her name was Exy Wilson, and she moved from Little Rock, Arkansas, with her boyfriend a week prior. Uh, I guess I had read in some places that her boyfriend was her pimp as well. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I was like, oh, okay. If anything, I mean, even if, um, well, I guess I'm thinking of like a pimp that has like a whole bunch of women, but if they're both from Arkansas and they came out there and he just needed money, he could just be just using her for that. And that's the only yeah. reason he brought her. Sorry, I'm nervous like- laughing. Um, so Doug drove her to an empty parking lot in Studio City near Sizzlers, um, where she was laying face, while she was laying face down, Doug shot her in the back of the head. Um, Exie was dying, but was still able to bite Doug. And girl, it's a good girl. (laughs) I I was like, dang, but this made Doug angry and he dragged her from the car, stripped her naked and took a green ring from her. Carol, in her thoughtfulness for her mans, had made him a kill bag with knives, paper towels, liquid cleanser, plastic bags, and rubber gloves. How thoughtful of her. And I was like, why? Why? why What compels you to do this? Why are you supporting this? We do not support this. So he used one of the knives to cut Exie's head off. He left her body in the parking lot and put her head in a plastic bag. He then tossed it in the back of the car and left her body in the parking lot of the sister. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug realized that her two friends would be able to identify him, so he drove back to where he had picked up Exie. The other blonde, Karen Jones, was there waiting. Um, Doug got her into his car, and she was unaware that her head's, her friend's head was in the back seat. Um, Doug drove her near Burbank Studios, stopped the car, and pulled his gun out on her. She screamed, alerting the dogs in the neighborhood, who started, and they started to bark. Mm -hmm. And that's when he shot her in the temple and killed her instantly. He stole her earrings and cash before pushing her out of the car. Doug then drove to 240 West Verdugo Avenue to a new apartment Carol had rented for them. He called Carol at 3.08 a.m. Um, she was still living at her at the old apartment on Lamona Avenue. Mm-hmm. And a few, mi- or a few minutes later to this phone call at 3.15 a.m., a police officer had found the body of Karen Jones. What's sad is Karen had also moved from Little Rock, Arkansas with Exie to support her son. Mm-hmm. So these girls, like, both had just been in California for a week and it's like this happens to them 
Doug was concerned about the third woman who was with Carol and X or not Carol, Karen and Xy. And that night and did attempt to locate her around the same area. He was able, unable to do so and drove to Carol's apartment. Please tell me she comes back. Did she come back? She, I mean, she wasn't a victim of his. So she wasn't, if she came back to the area, I'm not sure of that. Uh, I mean, like just in the story, well, the grand scheme of things. I think she's a witness later on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good. So at 7.15 a.m., Exy's body was found in the parking lot with her dress found in the dumpster. Um, this crime, because, you know, Daryl, or Daryl, Doug had called her at 3.08 mm-hmm. that morning. Carol felt a deeper connection with Doug, especially when they discussed the murders. Um, they did worry about being caught. And Doug called a woman who who had known both Cindy and Gina, his earlier victims, under the guise of being a cop. And then he later called her back, threatening her that he was going to find her and kill her if he she would say anything to the cops. God damn it, Doug. So thinking that they might get caught, he did sell the Buick to a coworker at the, Yur- is it Jurgen's? Jurgens, the lotion company. I don't know. Oh, last Jergens time you or said, I don't know. But that lotion Jergens. company. I think it's a hard J. Oh, Jurgens. Yeah, yeah. So he sold it to a co coworker uh-huh. that he worked with at the Jurgens factory. No, it doesn't sound right. Jurgens. Jurgens. We'll That's Jergens. how you said it last time. I said it. I don't. I don't remember even saying it. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) All right, let's roll back the tape. (laughs) So Doug had placed Exy's head in the freezer and had brought it out into the sink to show off to Carol when she had returned home. Um, He had bragged about taking it into the shower with him and putting his penis in the mouth. Ew. Yeah. I have a kind of offshoot from this. You know, there are people who actually draw things like this. It's all part of, like, the gore and, like, guru thing. Um, Apparently, putting their pee-pee, like, up the throat of, like, a beheaded person is a thing. And, like, in the ears and the eyes. That's all I can think of right now. And that's so gross. Yeah. Again, don't be a Doug. Don't be a Doug Don't do that. It's weird. Yeah, he would also swing the head around by the hair, and they had stored it in the freezer for a couple of, day, a couple of days, thinking of how to get rid of it. So Carol naturally went and got what was needed to get rid of it, because she got to clean up after her mans. Yeah, that's her duty, isn't it? Yes. God, she's so freaking weird. <laughs> So Carol went and bought a treasure chest made of wood and brass rings and like the corners are brass too. Mm-hmm. Um, she brought it to Doug's apartment and prepared Exy's head with makeup while still frozen. Uh, Doug had criticized her because he said the makeup could leave fingerprints, which I was thinking if she used the makeup on herself, it could, wouldn't your skin be, be in it you're like your skin cells be in the makeup 
Yeah, but she could wear gloves or use a brush. That's true. Listen, Doug doesn't know crap about how to apply makeup. He's a man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know about Carol, but I mean. I don't know. I was thinking if you use the brush on your eye, so you Mm -hmm. pick up the powder, use the brush on your eye, then you put it back. Wouldn't it have your DNA on it at all? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was thinking of. Like, oh, yeah. you're saying that the makeup could leave. Yes. And you it's could leave her traces brushes of, and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Then, yes, you can do that. I thought we were talking about like Carol's fingers on the makeup onto the head. Well, it could have, I don't know. It doesn't, it didn't describe how she applied the makeup. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was with her fingers. Cal- <laughs> Country girls make do, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so then Carol had washed the head in the sink with detergent, then double wrapped the head in plastic bags and placed it within the chest. They loaded it into the back of the car and drove off to find where to dump it. They decided to dump the chest a mile west of the Sizzler's parking lot where Exy's body was found in an alley behind Hoffman Street. The dumping of the head didn't go as smoothly as possible, though. Carol put on gloves Um, She took the head from the plastic bags and prepared to throw it from the car. Doug didn't stop the car, though. And Carol didn't throw it that far at all. And they ended up running over it. Oh, God. I know I just laugh, but like... I know there's a head head in there and I feel bad for like, you know, mutilating the head. But I... That's such a Doug and Carol thing to do. To just absolutely fuck it up. stooges. Yeah. they don't know what they're doing. Honestly, what would have made it better is if they threw and it came right back and hit them in the head. It's it's exactly that same scenario, but slightly different. So at the same time that this mess was going on, a car pulled into the alleyway while they had the car door open. Okay. That she <laughs> yeah. was like trying to throw the head out of. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they disposed of it, um, drove off, and Doug had berated Carol on the drive home, complaining how incompetent she was and how she should have seen the other car driving into the alleyway. Yeah, it was just like... I mean, I kind of have to give him that one. I kind of do. Not so much on, like, seeing the other car. I feel like he's got his eyes on the road. He should have seen that. Maybe given her a signal to not throw. She's just in charge of throwing, and she still kind of effed that up, so... Mm -hmm. We're going to say it's both of them. They both suck. So on June 27th, that morning around 1 a.m., Jonathan Carvello saw the treasure chest blocking his parking space. Curious about the contents of the box and what was like around it, he brought it into the light and found Exy's head wrapped in jeans and a t-shirt with the word Daddy's Girl. Um, He immediately called the police and the clothing belonged to Marnette Comer. So a different victim. Yeah. They had wrapped the head in. I mean, that's a fun way to wake up in the morning. It's not at all, but... I'd be pissed if I was coming to my graveyard shift and now I found a head. It's very traumatizing, too, I'm sure. I mean, trauma aside, I think I'd be stoked about the fact that I did, though, because I feel like I might get let off of work. I just don't like to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. It's true, probably. Yeah. 
Unless you're boss. It's a traumatizing event. I need to go home. But yeah, no. I, I, I think probably the trauma overrides all that. I would never want to go to work again. Yeah. Never open another random box. That's where I was unclear, though, because it had said Carol was taking the box out or the head out of the box. Mm-hmm. But then he found the head in the box. So I was like, I wonder if she was just trying to throw it out. Or if she had it in plastic bags, then put it in the box. And then... I, I feel like it makes more sense that she would throw the entire box out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's still mysterious, but at least it kind of covers it up for a little bit longer. I don't know. Maybe she threw the box head flew out of the box when she did that and then she had to put it back in the box and that's how it was found i don't know i'm just making a whole bunch of muck up i just know it was wrapped in plastic and put in the box and this guy found it in the box and that they couldn't throw it very far in the box so this incident um marked the decline of doug and carol's relationship good Carol had been hoping um, that by living in her new apartment complex and now bound together by their murders would make Doug and her a real couple. Uh, We also start to see Carol behave more erratically, um, especially at work. The other nurses didn't really want to work with her because she was neglecting her duties, Mm -hmm. would just be emotional um, she's losing it basically yeah she's not very good at her job right now mm-hmm. um doug had little interest in her sexually and would go out with other women more um the only time he would be interested in carol was when carol brought over their 11 year old neighbor so this um neighbor girl doug had been molesting for some time now while carol was at work carol became aware of it when doug told the girl to proposition carol about them having like a threesome Mm -hmm. Um, at first carol had been disgusted but when doug had argued with her like why are you disgusted basically like just giving whatever reason he said yeah um doug doug buddy um that's a normal response yeah for uh what should be every human being out here we should not be into 11 year olds if we are full-grown adults yeah. Um, but after Doug had, you know, argued with her, she became interested. They would shower Carol. together. Huh? I said Carol. I know. They would shower together and take turns giving Doug oral. Um, sadly, this little girl had come to realize the power she had with this and was able to get Doug to give her gifts and money. For her silence? Possibly. She girl boss too close to the sun. That's all I'm saying. But I guess use your trauma to get you good things. The sad thing was this little girl, and I'm sure it's because of the area they're in, like the apartment complex. Mm -hmm. This little girl had previous experiences where older men molested her. And she learned that when an older man was especially nice to you, Mm -hmm. it would lead to sexual abuse. That's really tragic. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, 
Carol and Doug would also still go out cruising together, trying to get prostitutes to leave with them. However, the girls had become more cautious because of the Sunset Strip murders that had recently happened, which was them murdering people. Yeah. Carol had also called her old friend Richard Geis to confide about Doug and the recent murders. Richard told her to leave Doug, but Carol made excuses for Doug and reasoned, why she couldn't. Um, she then ended the conversation with Richard, but called him up again to say it was all just the idea for a book she had um, and that she was going to work on it and wanted to see how true it sounded. On the opposite hand, we should all be a Richard Geis. Good guy, Richard Geis. Please tell me that he actually kind of sees through her bullshit. It didn't say... I think he didn't really, because later he will tell her to stop calling him. Mm -hmm. I think he just wanted to be done with her. As you should. Toxic people sometimes. Gotta cut them off. Mm -hmm. So on July 29th, Carol sat in her car in the garage and injected herself with 1,250 units of insulin, which is way over how many units of insulin a person needs. 100 milligrams of Librium, which is a sedative, and swallowed 100 milligrams worth of Librium tablets. So she had written in her intention with this, um, was she had written a note to Doug prior to doing this, hoping he would find it and come to her aid. He didn't, though. He found the note. He didn't care, though. I mean, that's, again, a very Doug response. Come on, Carol, you know this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, so she had to drive herself two blocks um, when she began to feel drowsy to the Grisman Mill restaurant parking lot. She awoke to paramedics coming to her aid and she was rushed to the hospital. Um, when she was discharged, she called Jack Murray to take her home. Not Doug. Okay. I mean, we're at least kind of stepping up a little bit. They're both like, awful. They're, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're both, both awful, awful, but at least Jack's not Doug. Well, this starts that August 1st, 1980, Carol dropped off their 11-year-old neighbor with Doug while she went to go see Jack. Um, Doug took the little girl with him to pick up women. Um, he picked up a young woman and drove the three of them to a secluded area. He paid her for oral sex while the little, little girl was in the back seat. Doug then drove the little girl home and later shot the woman in the head while she was giving him oral again. He then placed the body in the trunk to have sex with it and then dumped her near the water towers in Antelope Valley. Did the little girl know that this stuff was happening? No, I don't think she knew the murders were happening. She just knew the... The sex thing, right? Yeah. Okay. That's why he drove her home yeah. and then went to kill the... Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Carol, during this um, incident with Doug, where mm -hmm. he murdered someone, um, during this time, she intended to go have sex with Jack. Jack said he wouldn't, though, unless she brought another woman. So Carol decided... Why not bring the little girl? It's not a woman. Yeah. So the next day, she meets up with Jack, brings mm -hmm. the neighbor girl, 
she let Jack molest this little girl, but did not let him have sex with her because only Doug could do that. God, I hate Carol, too. Yeah. Oh, God. According to Carol, Jack being attracted to this young girl was disgusting, but Doug's attraction to her was wholesome. No. Carol, no. That's not how that works, but no. Yeah. No. God, that's jumping through hoops. Both of them are just, I can't. Yeah, no, they're both really fucking gross. They're disgusting human beings. Yeah. Um, August 3rd, Carol went to the Little Nashville Club to meet up with Jack. She had intended to show Jack her kill kit in the back of her car and was going to ask Jack what to do. So they agreed to meet later, um, and he went back inside, but not before Carol gave him a note saying, Basically, she wanted sex and promising that if he gave her sex, she could or he could have sex with the little girl. Carol, stop that bullshit. I know. I was just like, I can't believe it. I know. So after this incident where Carol met up with Jack and arranged to meet him later and had shown him what was in her car Mm -hmm. and propositioned him for sex in exchange for sex yeah um two friends had reported jack coming back inside the club looking pale and shaken um he told them of the meeting with carol but they just laughed and said to tell the police about the kill kit um around 2 30 a.m the girl jack was with so he had been with another girl at the club at the time Mm -hmm. um the girl she was with left him they were still in the little nashville parking lot so they were there till around 2.30 in the morning because they were, you know, getting frisky. Part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but before the girl left, like she got in her car, was about to drive away. She did see Carol enter his van before she drove off. Okay. Okay. So Carol, prior to coming to meet Jack, had decided he knew too much and needed to be gone. Carol, you literally spilled the beans to him. What are you talking about? Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Um, So tonight when she got into that car, she had decided to get rid of Jack. Doug had previously told her when she had said to him, oh, I'm going to kill Jack, that she couldn't pull it off on her own and she wanted to prove him wrong. So that was another thing that egged her on Mm -hmm. to meet up with Jack later. Yeah. So they climbed into the back of his van and undressed, except Jack kept his jeans around his ankle with his boots on. So Jack pushed Carol into his favorite position, commenting on wanting to have sex with the little girl. And that was basically the final nail in Jack's coffin to Carol. So Carol decided to completely be rid of Jack. So she had him lay on his stomach and shot him in the head. I'm not happy about this, Carol, but I'm kind of at the same time because that means he's not going to violate this little girl anymore. Still fucking gross, though. Yeah, it was just like. Carol, you got you got your reasons all wrong. You did something kind of okay, but like. 
at the they're end also the wrong like, you're also supporting wrong things yeah so jack didn't die immediately and she shot him two more times and she said she felt a sense of power from this and began to stack stab jack in the back repeatedly she thought the bullets in the gun would be traced back to the gun, and so she dis- decapitated Jack, placing the head in a plastic bag. Oh. Okay. Um, she had called Doug and told him on the way home of what happened. And when she re- arrived to the apartment, the paramedics were outside the building, and Doug was tending to his girlfriend who had suffered from a seizure. Is Carol going to fucking lose it? No, but what's relevant to this is that so Carol being a nurse offered mm-hmm. assistance to the um, paramedics and the police, not mm-hmm. reeling that she had on her glasses and on her outfit blood that she had blood splatter. <laughs> it's dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah. At the time, they don't do anything but it becomes Mm -hmm. relevant when they're building up evidence against her yeah um she had dumped jack's head in a trash can in griffith park the following evening and doug had begun to berate carol in the days to follow saying they could get caught now by the casings found in jack's van yeah yeah he's not wrong Um, Carol was hoping, though, that with Jack gone, Doug would become closer to her. He didn't, though. And when she tried to have a three-way with him and a former girlfriend of Jack's, um, they left her out of it. Carol, you have to stop playing this game. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And on top of that, this girl became Doug's new girlfriend. Of course she did. So six days after Jack's murder on a Saturday, Carol and Doug went to the little Nashville. That's where they saw Jack's wife, Jeanette. Um, she was looking for Jack. So a block away on Barbara Ann street, a crowd was forming around Jack's abandoned van. Oh, cause his body's still there, right? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, the police were called because of the stench coming from the van and Detective Roger Pita of Van Nuys Police had responded to the call. He found Jack's body in the back of the van. It had started to decompose, and with the California heat wave during the summer, began to blister and bloat. Oh, ew. Yeah. That's freaking gross. There was a pillow covering where his head used to be, um, stabs in the back, like they could see the stab wounds in the back. Mm-hmm. And cuts on his butt and around his, like, butthole. Carol, Carol, I know you have a lot of anger, but oh my god, ew. Yeah. Not the brown eye. This was her, I think this was her finally letting out all her pent-up rage with being used and abused. and. Which, I mean, I get that. Not... Not a healthy way to let it out, but I kind of understand why. Yeah. Um, But because of the state of the body and the wounds, the detective quickly said it or the detective quickly said it was a woman who did it. And it seemed that a woman would aim for the butthole. (laughs) 
only woman would. Um, and from the state of the body, it appeared they were, because he had his pants down, mm-hmm. that they were preparing to have sex. Um, they did find the casings, but the lack of bullets in the body, they couldn't say it was connected. Because they could say, oh, if he just owns a gun, he might have casings in the back of his van. Yeah. Um, They did go to question the patrons of the Little Nashville and took Jeanette to the police station. And they questioned her for hours because they thought she was the prime suspect. I mean, it makes the most sense. She could be angry wife. And plus he did cheat on her. Yeah, like a lot. Yeah, So. so... But even though Jeanette was upset, Carol, in comparison, was, like, distraught. Um, She was said to have screamed when the police told her of what happened and was, like, making a big scene. Ah, overacting? Yeah, she was was basically trying to convey someone being shocked and upset at their whatever he was to her being murdered carol you're a nurse you're not an actress yeah calm down the people however though so this is the thing is that the people at the bar told them of the girl jack was with on his final night but none of them knew because he didn't tell them he was meeting with carol later that night so none of them knew that he met with carol after um the other girl left yeah so Carol had told Doug to get rid of the guns when they got home, and he did. Um, this The next day after they had found Doug's, or Doug's body, um, Jack's body, detectives showed up to take Carol and Doug in for questioning, but they prepared their alibis, which was that they were home together all night in bed. Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah. Um Carol, however, had added to her story about seeing Jack early in the day, but outed how Jack had abused her, stole from her, and used her. Um she mentioned the twenty five caliber guns she had, but said she sold them to a man. So she's giving extra information. Yeah, she's oversharing. <laughs> she's literally telling them, like, I kind of have a motive for doing this because he, he did me dirty. Yeah, she didn't stick to the story. God damn it, Carol. You are incompetent. I'm sorry. You're just proving it right now. Yeah. So Doug's girlfriend did tell the police about Jack's girlfriend on that night. Mm-hmm. So when the police ar- arrested Jack's girlfriend or girl of the evening. Yeah. Um, She told them about Carol entering Jack's van after she left. Carol, you dumb bitch. Yeah. So after they were questioned and released, um, Doug blamed Carol for everything that the cops were hot on their trail Mm -hmm. and said he would be leaving on the first of the next month. Um, When they arrived home, Doug and his girlfriend left without telling Carol And Carol began began to become depressed over Doug's new relationship. Carol, this has happened how many times? Just let it go. It's you've already kind of crossed the line, but just let it go at this point. Which I also don't get why. This is early August when this is happening. 
Mm-hmm. I don't get why Doug says, I'm going to stay a whole nother month before I leave <laughs> on September 1st. I have no idea. I, I can't tell you why. The logic is Maybe it's just like a slow burn to her, like another dig at her. Like, you have all this time to think about the fact that I'm leaving. Maybe. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe know. his lease was up in a month. Um, at 5.45 p.m. on August 10th, Carol called her mother-in-law, Carmelata, Carmeletta Bundy. Mm-hmm. Um, Carmeletta was planning to fly the boys home on the 20th of August. Carol told her not to. And when she spoke to the boys, she would mention that it would be years before she saw them again. At 6.10 p.m., she called Richard. She told him about the murders in detail, which he thought was an excuse to call her or to call him Mm -hmm. and said not to come visit him because she had been planning to come visit him later in the month. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, don't come. Yeah. Stop. Stop contacting me. Yeah. Could you block people back then? I don't think you could, right? You could block numbers on the telephone. You could. Oh, wait, no, this is the 80s. Yeah. I don't know if they could do that yet. I'm going to do a quick Google search and see if I can. That was not how you say Google, by the way. <laughs> I just texted my aunt. Did you have caller ID in 1980? <laughs> That's a good person to ask, <laughs> I guess. She's a lab witness. Oh, she said no, they got it in like 84. Okay. That's good that at least she knows because... Literally everything that I found on Google was just like, here's how to do all this stuff to like block unwanted callers. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to find out now. Interesting. 84. Is that what we're up to? We're a little bit earlier than that. We're in 80. Four years ahead. What? Four years ahead. Mm-hmm. Dang. Richard really got it bad. When this had happened four years ago, he could have just blocked her. I was going to say, it was like roulette if he (laughs) answered the phone. Okay. So on this evening, um, after she called Richard, and he's like, don't come visit me. um, She took a handful of the Librium pills, which is Mm -hmm. that sedative, to go to sleep. She had woken up the next morning, dropped Doug off at his work, and showed up late for her shift. Uh So at 8.45 a.m. on August 11th, Carol called Richard, asking to visit him. He told her no and that he didn't want any relationship with her. As he should. Yes. Um, And by 10.30 a.m., this is when she had gone into the nurse's lounge and ranted about what Doug and her had done before leaving abruptly. So if you remember earlier or last time when I had said she had gone into the nurse's lounge, was talking in detail about what her and Doug had done Mm -hmm. and left. Carol's fucking losing it. Yeah. Um, The nurses called the police, um, but by the time they had shown up, and sealed off the exits to the building. Carol had exited through the basement. Um, Carol went to Doug's work to tell him of her intention to turn herself in. Um, but she offered 
money to him for him to run away with her no just by himself yeah so she was going to turn herself herself in mm-hmm. and said take my money and go be free carol he doesn't give a crap about you don't give him an easy out just because you want out yeah so carol left doug's work and that's when Doug had called um, the detective Peta, who had found Jack's body, mm-hmm. um, to recant his alibi. He confessed to Carol being with Jack that night, and Carol returned um, while the paramedics were at his apart or at their apartment, mm-hmm. tending to Jack's girlfriend. So all this phone call, so Carol has no clue that Doug just called the detective, the lead detective. Mm-hmm. And so Carol returns to her apartment and was attempting to contact the homicide unit. But she was transferred to three different precincts before arranging to meet with Detective Kilgore from Northeast Division. However, when she had finally set up the meeting for the detective to turn herself in. Um, The moment she hung up, police were already at her door. So she had like an arranged a time and a meeting place for the detectives to come arrest her. But they were already on her tail. Especially because Doug had called um, the police. Yeah, and just basically said, she's guilty of murder. Mm -hmm. Um, Detective Peta and Landgren were hard at work trying to catch these two. They had responded to the call by the nurses, but didn't make it in time to catch Carol. Um, They made it to Doug's work around 1130 a.m. to arrest him while the workers were on their first break. Mm -hmm. Um, With Doug in custody, they went to Carol's apartment, which was already surrounded by police. Doug, however, became agitated. And it said because he wasn't in control of the situation, um, hoping to change what was happening. He yelled out that Carol had a shotgun. Um, he didn't know though that Carol was already in view of the police. Yeah, like they, and had they could see that she didn't have a shotgun. The residence, yeah, and that all she was doing was holding a pair of underwear, saying they belonged to one of Doug's victims. It's a weird looking shotgun. Yeah, I was like, wow, it's very, it's a very ineffective shotgun. Yeah. Uh, she began to talk to the officers and this is the thing is that once they got her talking she just like she wouldn't wouldn't stop stop. yeah um get fucked doug so she began talking they're still in the apartment while this is happening so she began talking and gathering evidence of their crimes that they had um and she admitted to killing jack because quote he was an asshole who deserved to die I kind of want to agree, but also I don't want to agree because <laughs> it's killing bad. I mean, she could have just reported him for domestic violence. And child abuse. And child abuse. That's literally it. Well, and lewd acts with a minor. Yes. I think there's a specific, it's a felony charge. Um, As it should lewd be. acts with a minor under 14. Mm-hmm. 
Anyways, yeah, he, she could have gotten him caught for like so many things. Mm-hmm. Guess he didn't deserve to die, but I feel like some sort of justice is there, at least for the child part of it. I don't know. I think um, Mookie, I'm like, he deserved to die. <laughs> <laughs> she's bold. She's saying, she's saying it. She's saying it. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Maybe a little bit. It's like a teensy tiny bit. Or like a lot. Yep, yep, yep. All right. But that's where I'm going to leave you. Ellie. <laughs> I'm going to leave you. No. Okay, bye. <laughs> hey, look at you. You're walking out the door. Just like my dad. I say, you still have a dad. <laughs> I know. Doesn't mean he doesn't leave the house. And then he comes back. Oh, God. Can he just stay out there? No. Damn. But that's all I have for you. The next episode will be how they gather the evidence against them and their sad trial. Is she going to be extra chunky? I don't think so. I think she's the same. This, The next part. I'm not talking about a person oh, specifically. Oh, I thought you were talking about. No. I was like, I don't think no, she I don't gains weight. Carol can do whatever the hell she wants with her body. <laughs> <laughs> we don't body shame, even know, if they're convicted be, murderers. Okay, be too long. Okay. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you come back and listen to more of this, particularly part three, because otherwise you'll be hanging on mm-hmm. a cliffhanger. Um, but if you want to find more content, you can visit our Twitter. I was about to say Snapchat, we not Snapchat. Snapchat, Instagram, and YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, all of them are Ofric Pod. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Live fast and die young, baby. <laughs> bye. bye. <laughs> Sorry. Bye. <laughs>